Hi, I'm Paul Cuddehy and welcome to the Duran Duran Albums Podcast. And I'm Molly Williams. Join us as we take you on a musical journey of 40 years, 14 albums, countless great songs, and lots of great Duran Duran memories. From the band's self-titled debut album in 1981, through to the Paper Gods release in 2015, and, fingers crossed, a new album in 2021, the Duran Duran Albums podcast celebrates each of the studio albums while telling the story of the band. We chat through each album track by track, pick some of our favourite songs and memories from when the album was first released, and ask podcast listeners to give us their thoughts on each record. And we'll also have interviews with other Duran Duran fans throughout the course of this series, as well as extra episodes on everything from non-album songs, favourite gigs and the band's various side projects. So while you might want to save a prayer till the morning after, listen to the podcast now. Subscribe, spread the word, and celebrate 40 years of great music on the Duran Duran Albums Podcast. Molly, we... We're at Future Past in the last episode, which was a thrilling experience, but we're now taking a trip back down memory lane again. We're back on the Duran Duran discography. We're at number 10 in the studio albums. We are at Pop Trash. I was wondering how difficult it was to tear yourself away from listening to Future Past and the new music and then go back into a record that came out over 20 years ago. I was actually quite worried about that when I um, picked up Pop Trash again. I was like, it's, it's, I'm going to compare it way too much to Future Past. And uh, luckily, we have had a, a nice little space of time here, haven't we? And it's given me the opportunity. I did my initial listens fairly soon after we had done the podcast. And I had formed my opinions at that point. But now, as time has passed a little bit, I'm still listening to Future Past. You know, that is still in heavy rotation in my Spotify at the moment. But um, I've been listening to to Pop Trash now pretty solidly for the last week or so. And uh, I think I have been able to separate it out. So I think I, I've been able to to compartmentalize my opinions on Pop Trash here <laughs> under the influence of Future Past. Well, I mean, I am going to at various points mention Future Past but I think it's, it's, they're relevant comments to me. As I said, it was June 2000, this album was released. Uh, it was the first album after leaving EMI. It was the last album with Simon, Nick and Warren. It followed Medazzaland. What do you, just in general terms, we're obviously going to go through it track by track. We're going to hear from other people's comments about it. Kind of overall, what was your initial or what are your, your impressions of it as an album? Well, my first impressions of the album were not particularly favourable. And again, I think, you know, it was potentially because I was comparing it to Future Past, but it just, I really enjoyed Medazzaland and, and, you know, I think we both did. And it just really felt like it was kind of Duran Duran at their most irregular. And, and I wasn't really particularly feeling it. It felt quite jarring. But then as I've listened it over, you know, over the last week or so, it's, it's actually growing on me. And I think this is one of those albums that the more I listen to it, the more that I that I do like it. But I also think that maybe it's not a typical Duran Duran album. I think there are a couple of songs on there that that if it weren't 
for Simon singing it and it being Simon's recognizable voice, I might not have necessarily known that it was a Duran Duran song. Because one of the things I, th- I think it's, it's obviously less familiar to a lot of people. And I think, again, a bit like Medazzaland, it's not so much it's either underrated or underappreciated. A lot of it's just unknown. There was a sense for me, obviously, John had left completely by this point because he was still kind of slightly involved, certainly in the early part of Medazzaland. There was almost a sense of the band at that point kind of felt like they were winding down. And I've always felt that there's some really good songs. I actually really, I actually like it as an album. And I think there's a lot of really good songs on it. It feels either underproduced or poorly produced. And this is my first comparison with Future Past because what I think is one of the, the things about Future Past is uh, we spoke about this on, on our podcast. Simon's vocals are spot on. They're much better now than they were 21 years ago. All the, the individuals in the band, the production in Future Past has brought them out, so the bass, the drums, the keyboards, everything is so sharp. And I think that Pop Trash with a better production and better production values are sharper would have elevated those songs. So there's no reason why Simon 20 years ago shouldn't have been singing as, as well as he is now. Obviously, that's another 20 years of experience. But I, I felt like it was almost like we well, are just doing this and there wasn't anybody there to make them up their game, as it were. As if by magic. I have a have a quote from Nick Rhodes about that whole production thing. That was amazing. Nick had said it was the most difficult album to make. John Taylor had left, so it was just the three of them. As we did not have use a producer either, it resulted in Simon, Warren, and I having to focus all of our ideas whilst not having a clear vision of what we were trying to achieve with the album. Given that background, we actually think the record turned out well and closed that era. So, you know, the fact they had to produce it themselves. And they've always had relatively good producers that have been have guided them and given them direction in recording the albums left to their own devices. They didn't enjoy that. And you can kind of tell in the production values, like you said. And, uh, you know, they actually, they made the comment themselves that it was closing off an era. I think interestingly as well, we got quite a few comments in uh, on our Twitter feeds that, uh, you know, as, as always, thanks for people to get in touch. But the opinions varied on the album. So if we start with uh, our good friend Fabiana Torres from Buenos Aires in Argentina, and she says, so we asked for comments on Pop Trash, and she said, oh, how long do you have playing with Uranium? That guitar is out of this planet. Starting to remember is so beautiful, I have no words. Pop Trash movie is so fantastic, and Lady Xanax, that hidden message breaks my heart uh, to think a band member felt that. I also danced like a maniac to Mars meets Venus, Someone else, not me, is also deep, and the reason why it was written is so deep. One thing I'm not so sure is the Spanish version, because they recorded a Spanish and a French version. I should also mention, for anybody who doesn't or hasn't seen Fabiana, got a brilliant exclusive interview with John Taylor, talking about future past, which if you go on and you just go onto her Twitter feed, you know, it's about 25 minutes long. I would thoroughly recommend you check that out after you've finished listening to this. Excellent. Right, moving on uh, for some other uh, tweets that were, were put up about Pop Trash. Uh, one came from Graham. Not helped by a poor choice, someone else, not me, as a single release. Playing with Uranium and Pop Trash movie are highlights for me, but overall, 12th out of 15 in my Duran Duran album rankings. So rather at odds with Fabiana's opinion. <laughs> yeah, so that's, again, it's, it's like a, a constant theme, I think, in the podcast, which is the fact that it's all about opinions and and. You know, no two people listening to the album will, will think 
the same thing, which I think is a is a great thing. Absolutely. You know, it's just like everybody's entitled to their opinions and everybody hears things in a different way and they're in a different place than than anybody else. So so yeah, it, it makes sense. But it does seem that pop trash does warrant that that marmite thing. You either love it or hate it. There doesn't really seem to be many that are in the middle ground. Because interestingly, one of the other comments we got from the Twitter handles, a night Jarl's broke refrain, who just simply says, I would take pop trash over paper gods any day. I've noticed, and I'll be interested when we, when we get to talk about paper gods, and, and I've seen on Twitter quite a lot of people were pretty lukewarm, or are pretty lukewarm towards it. I really like it as an album, actually, so I'm not sure I, I like pop trash. I'm not sure where they're going to sit in my top 15, but I, I think paper gods sometimes gets, I think it gets a wee bit of a hard time. One of their underrated ones, perhaps. Excellent. Well, next we have um, a tweet from Pablo Ciejas. And I do apologize, Pablo, if I've mispronounced that. Um, he says, for me, Pop Trash sounds like Simon's Heart is not in it at all. Probably the worst of their albums for me. Really dislike Lava Lamp, Hallucinating Elvis, and Mars Meets Venus. Always skip these. Lady Xanax and Last Day on Earth are my favorite tracks, though. Next comment is from a friend of ours, a longtime friend of the podcast, Culture Kiosk, who says, it would have been better as a TV Mania album than a Duran Duran one. And it continues the trajectory of High, of high, which would be the wedding album, Low, thank you, High, Medazzaland, Low, Pop Trash, indeed. Mind you, I wasn't too first on Astronaut or Red Carpet Massacre either, but we'll get to those. And interestingly, I don't know, he mentions TV Mania, which was a kind of side project of Nick Rhodes and Warren, uh, which I hadn't realised until I was doing the research for this. And I've had a listen to, they have a, an album. It came out quite recently. I think they'd done a lot of these sessions, but they'd never recorded it as such. They'd never put it out as an album, but they put it out a, a while back called Bored with Prozac and the Internet? Question mark. Uh, I love it. The first track on it is a track called What About God? And it almost, it seems to take, I don't know, some clip from some speech or something and puts it over music. And I'm, my current musical obsession is a band called Public Service Broadcasting. They take old public service broadcasting information films and uh, various things like that, and they cut up the speech and the and the talks and everything, and then put it to music. The the song Spitfire, which is the song that got me into them, I would recommend it. It's amazing. But TV Mania is a bit like that. It's actually I, I really like it actually. Because I thought that um, TV Mania was just their production company, but interesting that they actually released the album. But I quite liked um, Culture Kiosk's reference about how very up and down Duran Duran have been over this period of time. So yeah, I, I definitely agreed with that one there. But isn't it just interesting as well? These tweets all seem to be comparing the Pop Trash album with, with other albums within Duran Duran's repertoire. So you know, people don't seem to just kind of take it in isolation and, and look at it from that perspective. But anyway, so the next one we have is FN, just at Fabio Neves in Sao Paulo, someone else and the sun make me cringe. Pop trash movie, in my humble opinion, is the best song on the album. Fair enough. The Twitter handle JT's fans, uh, no surprise then that they stay, they hated it because there's no John Taylor bass lines and many of the songs were not good. Red Carpet Massacre, at least had about two songs for me that were decent, like Falling Down in the Valley. I actually think they had more than that, but uh, it's all about opinions. But Pop Trash, 
For me, says JT fans, was a train wreck. I had nothing signature Duran Duran, and I love Duran Duran. Sorry, just my opinion. But JT's fans should not apologise for their opinion. It kind of goes to what you were saying right at the very start of, of how it felt and sounded a wee bit different. It wasn't. You didn't feel it was kind of like what would be traditional Duran Duran. And maybe just the fact to what JT's fans are saying is effectively you were down to Simon and Nick. And by all accounts, Simon sounded a bit disinterested in it because he didn't write many of the lyrics. The fact that John wasn't there, obviously Roger wasn't there, that they're the core there, the rhythm, rhythm section. They give the foundation to what we love about Duran Duran. Yeah, I think so. And, and you know, just like you had said about Future Past, they had producers that really focused each of the instruments and, and each of the instrument played an important role. Whereas Pop Trash seemed to be, you know, it was it was Nick's and Warren's baby, really, I think, because a lot of the lyrics were written by Nick. And I don't know what the dynamic was with Warren at the time of this album, because then didn't he get the boot after the after they released this album? So I don't know, maybe he was he was getting too big for his boots. But but he definitely, I mean, there is definitely the Warren Cucurulo guitar vibe throughout this album, I think. On to Alex Lauterstein from New York uh, says, people demeaning this album are crazy. They revered So Red the Rose, but this is bad because John is not in. Well, he was not on Arcadi either. This album is a masterpiece, period. One of their best. No fillers and is like Arcadia, Rocky, all quality. Well, it's certainly a fan of the album, as is C.K. Shortle, who is another uh, long-time uh, listener to the podcast, who says, Pop Trash Movie is a top 10 all-time Duran Duran song for me, a modern seventh stranger. Playing with Uranium is Duran Duran's alt-rock 90s sound at its best. Starting to Remember is beautiful. Lady Xanax is haunting. Last Day on Earth is one of the best album closers. Very underrated album. And he had Pop Trash a day before its release because he had gone to, I think, his local record shop and had managed to to spin a line and managed to, to persuade them to, to give him a, a copy of the album a day before the rest of the world got it. So that's, or maybe there's a kind of slight affection for it because of that. The claim to fame. Excellent. Then we have um, Gary J. Carroll, who says Pop Trash is amazing. Lush sounds, cohesive and glam. Love to hear the Ken Scott produced version one day. Didn't know there was a Ken Scott version, but another thing that I need to research a little bit more in depth. <laughs> Sidebar, Future Past is the album of their career. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> and the last of the, the comments that we've gotten via Twitter from Well Chuffed Rick, who says, the opening track, Someone Else Not Me, has truly heartbreaking lyrics, probably the most gut-wrenching and real lyrics they have recorded. It's a good album as well, mature and catchy when it needs to be. And we also, as well as getting comments from Twitter, Lindsay Scott, who is from Dundee in Scotland and who had previously contributed his top three to the podcast, one of the previous episodes. And I had noticed that he had said that Pop Trash is his favourite, his number one Duran Duran album out of all 15 albums. So we thought rather than just read that out or ask him to, to tweet us, we've got him just to record a few words explaining just why for him, Pop Trash is Duran Duran's number one album. When Midazzaland fared so poorly, I wondered if Duran Duran would do another album. So I was surprised to see Pop Trash in my local HMV, but just in the D section, not in any way promoted. But I bought it and hoped for the best. 
What I found was that it was in a similar style to Midazaland, but with better tunes in the main. The album was generally pretty guitar-driven and moody with some experimental keyboard parts too. Almost alternative rock, with a trio of slowies, just for good measure. My favourite tracks are Someone Else Not Me, a bit of a sister to Ordinary World, but unfortunately it flopped, it didn't do anything in the charts. Playing with Uranium is another song I love, uh, amazing rock guitar and strong keyboard sounds, very experimental. And then finally my other favourite song, probably my best song, is Lady Xanax. It's a really interesting song, very moody, with terrific chorus. I went to see the tour of this band, and it was a very, very low-key concert. I remember there was a lot of guys in the audience, and they seemed to be really into the new music, but you could tell that a lot of the people there had no idea what these songs were, uh, and they were kind of talking through them. But I really enjoyed it. Have to say though, I mean, I'm really glad to see that Duran Duran's commercial fortunes have improved since this time, even though the music's not as experimental as I would like. That was uh, Lindsay Scott there, and Molly, it was interesting, I think it's one of the other comments earlier on when we were reading the comments out, you know, when they were rating, I think it was Graham had said it was 12th out of 15 in his Duran Duran albums, and obviously... We'd made, mentioned at the time that it's all about opinions. And, you know, as far as Lindsay's concerned, there is no better Duran Duran album. And, you know, it's just one of the many things that I have loved listening to people and getting people's perspectives on all these albums, because obviously we both have our own opinions on what our favourites are. Yeah, and, and, and I'm always quite curious about, like, people's entry points into the world of Duran Duran, because I think, you know, it tends to be wherever you first found out about them, you hold that album in quite a, a lot of affection. So, you know, because I'm so old, you know, it's it's the first couple of albums that really are the most dear to me. See if, um, you're, but, see if you're so old, what does that make me? Because I'm older than you. Only just, I think, though, really. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll be polite and not call you ancient or anything like that. <laughs> I, I think it's great because everybody has their own perspective on things. And, and by hearing people who are such big fans of this album, it makes me listen to to the tracks and, and kind of go, oh, yeah, I see what they're saying. So it's all valuable information. Well, we're not going to keep anybody else in suspense for any longer. And we're going to get into the tracks now. So we're going to do the first six tracks of the album before we, we take a break to continue our story of Duran Duran. So we start at the very beginning, which is a very good place to start, as uh, Mary Poppins once told everybody. The first track on the album, Someone Else Not Me, what are your thoughts, Molly? I quite like this song. I very much thought that it was a nice continuation from the wedding album. Kind of had that that nice vibe mm-hmm. to it all. I don't know if it's particularly telling that this is, it was actually one of the few songs that Simon did write the lyrics on. But yeah, I really like this album. Um, and I think it is a, a pretty typical Duran Duran sound to it all. Can't say I'm overly keen on the French and the Spanish versions, just because I I tend to like to know what they're saying. But but then again, you know how we have um, spoken in the pa- in the past podcasts that there are some times that I do listen to the lyrics and, and you know I I can take away a lot from it. But this album, it was more just about the 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 tunes rather than the words. So I know um, a lot of the 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 tweets that we had mentioned 
had talked about how meaningful a lot of the lyrics are, but that just kind of washed over me on mm. this album. Welcome to my world. That's how I listen to music. <laughs> <laughs> I, I really like this song, actually. Interesting, because someone had made a comment about how it was a poor choice. I think it was actually the only single that they, they released from the album that kind of bombed, didn't even get in the top 50 in the UK. It might have been that at that, that point they were kind of so off the radar that I'm not sure that any of the songs in the album would have done much better. This is the song that, for me, is indicative of the production of the album because I think even that song, giving it to the to the guys who worked on Future Past, it would have been razor sharp. I think the Simon's voice would have been better. I think they, they all the, they brought out the music for it because I, I think it is a classic Duran Duran kind of slow ballad song. But I just it's almost as if it was a version of it, but it he kind of felt like. There should have been another version. There should have been a final version of it just to sharpen it up a wee bit. This is one of the albums where I, I would have been, have been intrigued for them to go back and re-record it and see what it sounded like. We've talked about that in the past, haven't we, that there should be a remastering of, of some of their albums and it would be interesting to see how much different they, they could or would be. You know, in one of our tweets this this week as well was was talking about that. So it's interesting. I, you know, I've never really done in-depth analysis on albums before. And, and I don't know anything at all about production of, of albums and the record-making uh, process. But it, yeah, it would be interesting to give like the rough tapes to three different producers and seeing what, what would happen from that one. Because I, I keep thinking about that. But then I think what I like about Duran Duran is that for better or worse, when the album's done, that's it. It's part of their history, but they're looking forward. So they acknowledge... To get to Future Past, you've maybe had to get through the other albums because, you know, sometimes it's finding out what doesn't work and, and what maybe didn't sound great. So rather than go back and or have regrets and say we should have done this and we should, we'll re-record that, it's like, right, well, let's, that's there and it's there and it's of its time. Let's just move on and, and keep going forward. And I, and I like that. In previous albums, they have done a load of remixes and stuff like that, but I, I'm not aware that they did many remixes on, on this one. At the also, time. Yeah, also I'd seen some comments. I don't think they were that impressed with the, I think it was at Hollywood Records. I don't think they were that impressed with them as a label either. So they probably couldn't wait to leave them. Yeah, I think it was a, a mutually not <laughs> friendly relationship between the band and that that uh, record label. So, so yeah, that one definitely didn't last too long. And I think I'd seen some comment again uh, from Nick that he had, he was quite disparaging about him to be perfectly honest. And he was just like, Basically, they didn't know what music like to ask from their elbow kind of thing. But uh, so, so, yeah, I think it was not a, a happy relationship for that one. If we move on to the second track, which is Lava Lamp, I think it's a really good song, actually. I think it's quite psychedelic. I like the sitar on it. I think it's very catchy. So for me, already I'm listening to it and I'm thinking, I actually really like the first two songs on it. Yeah, I have to agree. Um me and you must be like uh, born again hippies or something like that because I do quite like the sitar <laughs> sound on on uh, on this track as well. So, so yeah, this was definitely a good one for me. And I know that you always set so much store on the first album, uh, first track on an album to kind of set the scene for an album going forward. And 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 yeah, I agree with you. I think the first two tracks been all right. Well, I'll go even further than that, and I'll say for me the first three tracks. What for me, I, I really like playing with Uranium. I really like the start to that song. I love the chorus. That is a real, for me, a real sing-along chorus. 
whenever I've been listening to it in the car, that's that's one of the ones that's really stuck in my mind. And I, I think, you know, for an album that has its faults and, you know, we talk about the, maybe the production values, I think it's quite a strong first three tracks to it. Yeah, I, I agree with that one. I've actually put, it's a more modern Duran Duran sound. I don't think it's, it's like the early typical Duran Duran. And I also have made a comment that the introduction sounds a little bit Smith's-like. I think it's the guitar and maybe a little bit of the, the Madchester kind of vibe to it as well. So um, yeah, I do think that it does sound like Duran Duran, but not like classic Duran Duran. It was released in Germany as a single, apparently. I'm not sure it did particularly well. The fourth track on Pop Trash is a song called Hallucinating Elvis, which apparently, which I didn't realise was apparently the, going to be the original name for the album before they changed it to Pop Trash. Where do you stand on the song Hallucinating Elvis? Well, when I first, when I initially listened to it, I put a lot of noise, but I have to say over the last couple of days listening to it, that's the one that I kind of bop along to. It's a toe tapper for me. (laughs) (laughs) Pop pickers. I quite like it. And I don't really know why, because it is kind of a a basic song, I guess. But but yeah, it it just must just have a good beat. And yeah, I could bop around the kitchen to this one. Because this is one of the ones that I that I'm not a big fan of on the album. For a start, I think it's five minutes, 26 seconds. It goes on far too long for me. You know, even if it was a three-minute pop song, I'm not sure how, how much of a fan would have, have been of it, but at least then it was only three minutes. It got to the point after that, I'm thinking, this is just going on and on and on. So I, I, I think that's it's one of the weaker tracks for me. I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of Hallucinating Elvis. No, I get that one because... It's a valid point. It probably could have stopped after about three minutes and been quite all right. Yeah, the next song, Starting to Remember. What are your thoughts on it? I've said in the, in the past, I, I really like acoustic Duran Duran songs. And I think, this is, I think this is a really good acoustic song. I think, again, if it had a stronger vocal, I think if you know Simon's voice now put it on that, I think it would, it would sound even better. Interestingly, it's lyrics by uh, Nick Rhodes. This is one of my favourites on the album. I really, really like it, actually. Yeah, it, it's one of my my high praise on this one. Quite like this song, but I thought it had, again, it felt like a little bit of more of a, a Beatles-esque sound to it. And that could be, you know, for the, the acoustic side of things, it, it just, it felt a little bit more retro. Yeah. And that's not a bad thing. You know, I, I'm a Beatles fan, so I'm down with that. Yeah, because, I mean, if people who are not Beatles fans are for the watching. <laughs> Don't ever trust them as far as you can throw them. <laughs> We're on to the last track, and what would be well, we've just basically split it six and six. So the last track would be Pop Trash Movie. What are your thoughts on Pop Trash Movie? I think this could be one of my favoriteest tracks on the album. I thought it had, I've written a soundscape akin to Ordinary World. So again, I, I kind of link it back to you know previous albums and that sort of thing. But yeah, it's one of the strongest songs on the album. Uh, apparently, it was going to be it was written for Blondie. Apparently, I don't know. Have you listened to the Blondie version? Yeah, well, actually, I didn't realize that was the case. So I listened to the Blondie version. I put it on Twitter and said I didn't realize until the other day that I, this was a thing, and I said it was a, a cover. But actually, C.K. Shortle, who we heard from earlier on, he got back in touch and said. It was actually written for Blondie for when they reformed in 1997. So actually, they recorded it first, although I don't think it ever ended up on an album. 
and then Duran Duran put it on this album. I mean, a lot of, quite a few people said they preferred the Blondie version. I, I prefer the Duran Duran version, but um, I, I, I never realised that Blondie had done that. Do you know what I think? If When I listened to Pop Trash Movie, I thought, see if Roger and John had played on that, the way that we kind of talk about that rhythm section, they would have just elevated that song. I think it's possibly my favourite song. There's two or three on the album which are, are vying for that. Pop Trash Movie is one of them. I think, it's a, I think it's a really great song, actually. A really catchy. Love the chorus. Got exactly that as well. Like the chorus. Great minds think alike on this one, eh? <laughs> I do think, actually, even, you know, their high points, their low points, I think they're really good at choruses because I think they write good pop songs. So I think even sometimes if the overall song doesn't quite hit the mark, I think quite often there's, you'll find still find a catchy chorus within it because that seems to be something they're really good at. Yeah, and, and you know, we've mentioned already that uh, Simon seemed to be going through another one of his periods of, writer's block for this album. So a lot of it was written by by Nick, but it, it, it shows that Nick can write a pretty darn good tune himself. And I don't think we really talk about that too much because it, it just always does seem to, to focus on Simon's lyrics. As I say, Pop Trash Movie gets a thumbs up for me. That's the, I suppose, the, the first side of the, the album, the first six tracks. As always, we'll continue the story of Duran Duran, but actually up to part 12 now, which shows you how long we've been doing this for. As always, my daughter Rebecca was absolutely delighted to record the story of Duran Duran, part 12. The story of Duran Duran, part 12. Duran Duran released Pop Trash, their 10th studio album, in June 2000, with the song Someone Else Not Me coming out a month earlier. The single did not do well in the charts, only reaching number 53 in the UK charts, and that was important for the Pop Trash album, which also did not do well commercially or critically at the time, although the subsequent tour still sold out. By this point, only Simon Le Bon and Nick Rhodes remained from the original band lineup with John Taylor having left midway through the recording of the Midazaland album. Warren Cucurillo also played on the album, his last with Duran Duran. With the band having left EMI, they released Pop Trash on the Hollywood Records label, but that would be a short-lived relationship. While it might have seemed at the time that Duran Duran were slowly winding down, four years later they would emerge re-energised, refocused, and with some familiar faces back in the lineup. When I said just before we, we listened to Rebecca there that we're up to part 12 and, you know, we're now on to Pop Trash is now the 10th studio album and yet we are creeping slowly towards the kind of more recent albums and it just shows you, I mean, that's a journey now in terms of the podcast, that's almost 20 years worth of Duran Duran stuff that we've been, we've been chatting through and then we've got another 20 years to go. But interestingly, 10 albums in the first 20 years and then five in the next 20 years. Yeah, I mean, you just saying that, I haven't ever really put it into that sort of perspective of it all, but it has felt, you know, it's it's probably like the first 10 years were great. The second 10 years, maybe a little bit out in the wonderland, wilderness, and Duran Duran, not quite sure where they were going. And then it seems like they hit this point and maybe, you know, depending on, on your viewpoint, this was maybe towards the lower end of their 
greatness. I don't know if that's the right word or not, but then it seems like, you know, they got to this point and then I think they just went on to a, a trajectory upwards from there. You know, they, they, they got all five band members back together for astronaut a few years down the line after this one. And um, yeah, I think it's, it, it is an interesting demarcation in their timeline. Although I must admit, when it comes to choosing my favorite, certainly my top five, there's definitely something from each of the decades because, you know, certainly for me and Medazaland, that's been one of the high points of this podcast. Just reacquainting myself with that, that's definitely pushing for a top five place. So, but nothing's set in stone yet. No, I think um, I, I still haven't committed myself to, to my rankings of the discography. And I think what I'm going to have to do is some weekend, just lock myself away and just play them all one after the other. Do you mean you don't do that already? Well, not that I'm going to admit to. <laughs> <laughs> well, what you could do is, because I know you're going to the States over kind of Christmas and New Year, is that's two long flights. That's how you should spend your, your flight there and your flight back, listening to all the Duran Duran albums. That's an actually a brilliant idea. Yes, because Spotify works um, without any Wi-Fi connection, doesn't it? So I can just listen to the whole discography and just while away the time. Get myself glasses of wine so I can have my mask off. Listen to Duran Duran. <laughs> Perfect. That's, that 11 hours that I was wondering what the hell I was going to do, sorted. <laughs> the, if we return to Pop Trash, the first song in the second side, well, for me, it's 49 Seconds of Nothingness fragment. So unless you get anything else to say, I'm moving on. I, I'm, I'm surprised that you actually uh, deigned to, to call it a song because, yeah, my only comments on this one, why and what? So next. The next song, Mars Meets Venus. And interestingly, you'd mentioned earlier on, I can't remember what song it was we were talking about. There was a kind of Smith stroke Madchester. Now, I don't know whether Simon was auditioning for Stars in Their Eyes as Sean Ryder from Happy Mondays, but he, he certainly, the way he sounded it. And saying that, I love this song. I think the chorus is amazing and I really like this. I really like this song. I do like the song, but I have exactly the same thoughts. I've actually put wannabe Happy Mondays. And I do like the Happy Mondays, but it was very much of that time, wasn't it? And I can't decide whether I like Simon trying to be Sean Ryder or not. But yeah, weirdly, the song does work for him. Because the only thing I thought was strange, because I always feel like when people talk about Happy Mondays and Stone Roses, it's such an unfair comparison because Stone Roses are a brilliant band and brilliant musicians. Happy Mondays were a bunch of chancers that just happened to ride the, the crest of a wave. No disrespect to them, but there's no comparison. But it seems strange that that had passed, that kind of Manchester, those bands were well past by the time they came to record this, but, but it was that sound right away. For me, for some reason, it, it works. Maybe Simon had just taken some time off and was watching some past editions of Top of the Pops or something and felt fired. So moving on, Lady Xanax, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, I know everything, there seemed to be so much written about Lady Xanax and the backstory to it all. And there just seemed to be so much hype to the song, even before, before I had listened to it, you know, for, for the podcast. And it's just okay for me. I mean, I think it is a, a sad song because apparently it was it was about somebody that Nick knew 
and it represented somebody spiraling into despair and unable to find any sense of purpose in their life. So from that perspective, I did listen a little bit more to the, to the lyrics, I guess, on this one. But yeah, just it, it didn't really rock my world. It was just okay. How about you? I think it's a good, another good Duran Duran ballad, actually. And I, I like it. Because at that point, when I'm looking back and I'm thinking, right, in the first side, probably say, so that's certainly five out of the six songs I would give a thumbs up to. And then on the second side, discounting the kind of short instrumental, the first two songs for me, so I actually good something. That's a pretty good positive feedback on Pop Trash. So I, I, I like Lady Xanax. I, I never really, as always, I don't really, I must admit, I don't pay attention to the lyrics at all. Because my, because my argument always is, and I mean, it's, it's just my opinion, but you know, somebody who says about lyrics and how much they mean to them, just put it in a form of music you don't like and you'll never listen to it. So, Yeah, and, and I think, you know, like I, I said earlier on, I think music is definitely of a time. And that was, you know, one of the reasons why we started doing this podcast is to kind of relive our memories of the Duran Duran albums. And it could very well be, you know, that people would have heard this song at a particularly trying time for them. And it just, maybe they were able to overcome things. And, you know, it just, it just, and I'm going to use the word, that I hate so much, but it resonates for them. <laughs> I, I'm going to say right, that I I want to qualify what I said because this it's just a personal thing for me. So I'm not going to, I know people do, you know, whether it's Duran Duran songs or other songs, there's certain songs that obviously they like the music, but the lyrics resonate with them for a particular reason at a particular time in their life. And, and if that helps, the same way as some people might, you know, find poetry helpful or, or whatever. So it's just for me, Lyrics, I'm, I'm not really, I don't really pay attention to them, to be honest. And I know it's kind of all these people that are pouring their heart out and slogging away doing, doing lyrics, but you don't need to bother with me. I'm not giving you a hard time about it at all. I, I get that because that's what music, you know, music doesn't have to be thought provoking and going deep. You know, it can just be nice on your ears. And that's just as valid a point as any of them. Exactly. For sure. Well, the sun doesn't shine forever, which is true. But in terms of Duran Duran, this song felt to me, it felt like the Eagles, actually. I thought, particularly at the start, I mean, I like the song, I think partly because I like the Eagles, but that's that's who I immediately thought of when that song started playing. That's a good one. I'm going to have to go back and listen to it again. But um, this is probably my second favourite song on the album. This song sounds really, it sounded really familiar to me. So I, I did a little bit more digging. And according to this miscellaneous list that, that Nick had compiled at some point or other. Apparently the band has never performed this song live. I think it's, it's, you know, it's a great song. And again, I think it harks back to the wedding album. It has kind of that vibe. So, you know, you're saying like, reminds you of Eagles. I think it's just that nice melodic frame of mind to it. So, so yeah, that kind of ties in with what you're saying. And again, that's for me, it's Mars meets Venus, Lady Xanax, the sun doesn't shine forever. So I think, again, some strong tracks. And interestingly, you know, like we were, you were saying about Fragment, which is obviously just a fragment of music, but because it would have just been probably in, a, in either a CD or a, a stream and a vinyl album, I don't think that would have ever started side two because it, it's obviously there as a break between songs when you're, when you're listening. So it would come between Pop Trash Movie and Mars meets Venus. I don't think it's really a, a start of a, a side two normally. Yeah. Still no point to it, but. Well, apparently, just kind of in that same vein, then the next song, Kiss Goodbye, is 
again, another instrumental. So, you know, you got two for the price of one on this album, Paul. What I wrote um, was 41 seconds. Next. <laughs> but apparently, Kiss Goodbye is supposed to be a prelude to Last Day on Earth. And, I mean, I know that, like you were just talking about, I listened to the tracks via Spotify and via YouTube, so you don't get that flowing like you might get on an album. What I was interested, I don't know if you noticed the other day, uh, Adele had made this plea to Spotify to take off the shuffle function on an album because it's a bit, bit pretentious, to be honest, as if, you know, forcing people that they should listen to it in the order that the artists put it because they've put a lot of thought into it and they're thinking, just be grateful people are listening to your music. I mean, effectively, Adele just has the one song. They just call it different titles. I mean, it's just, it's so dreary and, and dull and repetitive anyway that, you know, regardless of what order you listen to them in, it's just, it sounds the same anyway. But I thought there was a certain arrogance of that, but then at the same time it made me laugh because it's, it's now forcing you to listen to the album in chronological order. And, you know, we've talked about that so many times in our podcast that previous to doing these podcasts, I was the shuffle queen. I never listened to anything in, in its given order, but I have started to get really pissed off with, with uh, Spotify because they would shuffle things. And I did want to listen to these Duran Duran albums in the order that Duran Duran intended them. So <laughs> it's but, funny. But it's only for this purpose of podcast, but I, I still think that, you know, it shouldn't be for Spotify or Adele or somebody to say, you know, you must listen to it in this order. If people want to shuffle it, then what? I mean, what difference does it make anyway? Okay, well, I'm not going to make any any comments about Adele. You might not like me anymore. Anyways. Listen, this, this game's all about opinions. It is indeed. So, uh, yeah, so so Kiss Goodbye, that was like a, a non-event instrumental for you then? Yep. Enough said. <laughs> Next. Well, the last one on to the last song. The Last Day on Earth, uh, which is obviously a heavier rock sound, and I'm just guessing it was Warren's influence. Last song, last track, First Impressions. Well, I think, you know, we have spoken about so many uh, Duran Duran tracks in the past that have a cinematic vibe to it all. And I think this is this is another one of those that is Duran Duran cinema again. And apparently... It had actually started out as a Bond theme for Tomorrow Never Dies, but they decided to, to keep it for themselves. I quite like it. And I think there is very much the Warren stamp on it, like you said. But uh, I think in this case, that's no bad thing. So yeah, I did I did like this one. Not sure that it's the strongest track, because I know that you like to finish on a strong track of an album. It's funny when I listened to the album at first on Spotify, so they, they put the, one of the bonus tracks on it, Prototypes. Yes. Which is like six six minutes and 19 seconds of nonsense. And I kept thinking, that's just insane. But actually, thankfully, when I, I had a look at the album, that's just it was just an extra extra track stuck on it. I mean, it's, it's hardly, I would hardly call it a bonus. No. And because I listened to it for the first time on Spotify, that was the first thing that came on. And I was just like, shit, this is going to suck big time. Because if this is what the album is going to sound like, I am not a fan. So, so yeah, it was, um, there's such a thing as an anti-bonus. It's like a trial, <laughs> that prototype one, for sure. Well, interestingly, when you were talking about Last Day on Earth and that, that whole thing about, and I don't know how the, what the process is for writing Bond themes, because apparently Warren and Nick had, they recorded it with a singer called Tessa Niles as Tomorrow Never Dies. Now, I don't know if 
different artists submit their songs to the Bond franchise and then they select one and it wasn't selected. So out of curiosity, I went back and listened to the song that was the soundtrack for Tomorrow Never Dies, which was a song by Sheryl Crow. And Last Day on Earth is a million times better than it. Obviously, the version it was obviously re-recorded for this album and it would have had a more Bond vibe to it, you know, with the strings and the orchestral arrangements if it had been selected. But as a song, it's miles better than, than the Sheryl Crow song Tomorrow Never Dies. Well, yeah, and it's Sheryl Crow, so... Anywho... F- female, female artists are getting a bit of a... Again, a bit of a doing in the show tonight. To be fair, yeah, I think I do have more of a penchant for, for male vocals over female vocals. But but yeah, just to, to go back to Last Day on Earth, I think it is one of those kind of very cinematic songs for Duran Duran. So so yeah, I, I thought it was a good one. And just to, to kind of balance up so we're not just having a go at female vocalists, I'm a big fan of Taylor Swift. And <laughs> that, that may, may have taken the, the podcast in a different turn. I, I only started listening to her during lockdown when she brought out a couple of kind of acoustic albums. And it was the first time I had really listened to the music and I actually thought they were brilliant songs. I thought her voice was great. So I've started listening to a lot of her. She's been re-recording a lot of her albums because somebody has the rights to the original recordings. So she's cleverly gone back and re-recorded them as Taylor's version. So all our fans are going to listen to that, of which I am now one. So uh, so go, Taylor. A little Swifty. How cute. <laughs> Well, that, that concludes the uh, voting for Pop Trash. Overall, my conclusion, I really like it. I think it actually beats on from Medazzaland, which I think is an excellent album. I don't think it quite hits the heights of Medazzaland, but I actually think it's, uh, for me, it's, it's uh, I really enjoyed listening to it. And actually, overall, I was pretty impressed with quite a lot of the songs on it. Yeah, I mean, when, you know, breaking it down like we do, there are some good tracks on the album. And it was definitely a grower for me you know, through, through listening to it quite a number of times now. But I think probably, you know, when we're talking about our league tables on Duran Duran, it's probably mid-range, mid-table, you know, towards the bottom end. So, so yeah, it's a good album. I just think there, there are a couple of songs on that, that maybe aren't typical Duran Duran. So, so yeah, it's, it's, I don't think it'll ever enter into my top five. I'm the same. I'm not, it's not in my top five, but it's actually probably mid-table, as you say, which surprises me because it, prior to doing this, but not having really listened to it that much. And I think it kind of focuses you as, you, as you said earlier on, when you're actually maybe listening to an album with a greater intensity than you, you normally would. So I, I've been pleasantly surprised. But as I say, there's still all to play for in the Duran Duran top 15. Well, it's not really, because there's some, there's some albums that are sacrosanct, but people could probably guess what they are. As always, we invite people to send us their top three Duran Duran songs. Uh, we've got a few in the bag, so you know, thanks very much for people that have been sending them in, and anybody who has sent them in will be playing them over the next few episodes, obviously. But the one that we've chosen for this one is from Andy. She's originally from the UK, but she currently resides in the south of Spain, and again, is I think a regular listener, and you know, is always commenting and interacting with us on Twitter. So here's a chance to hear Andy's top three Duran Duran songs. Hi there, I'm Andy. I'm originally from the UK, uh, but I currently live in the south of Spain. 
I've been a fan of Duran Duran since um, I was about nine or ten years old in the mid-80s, and I've pretty much followed their career consistently over the years. Perhaps there was a hiatus in the late 90s, and also when I became a mother, um, I kind of switched off for a few years. But I've been pretty much back into fandom since, um, since Paper Gods about five or six years ago. So my top three songs from Duran Duran. I imagine I'm like most people and uh, those top three change all the time from one day to the next. But I think I would always put Come Undone into the top three. I love the lyrics to the song. I love that backing vocal by, or featured vocal by Tessa Niles. I, I love the kind of underwatery feel it has, which is probably exaggerated by the, the video in the aquarium. I love everything about that song, and it's one that I never, ever tire of listening to. Today, <laughs> I'm going to put Planet Earth into my top three. It may change on another day, but today I'm, I'm going to put it in there. Mainly, I think, because tomorrow is the release date of Future Past, and it just is so incredible that Duran Duran after all this time, are still going. And, and Planet Earth is where this all started. And I remember when I was younger watching, I had the video collection. And I remember that Planet Earth was the first one that came on. And it just it brings back a lot of memories to me. And it's, for me, Planet Earth is the essence of what this band is about. That song really takes me back. And, and, it, and it's a song that, again, I never tire of hearing. I never tire of hearing Roger's drums on it. I never tire of the vocals or the, the synths on it. And my third song um, in this top three is, is a surprising one in that I've only just heard it today properly. And, and it's the new song, Give It All Up, with the other singer whose name I'm not sure how to pronounce, but um, Tavlo. I have listened to that song so much today and um, it's an incredible song. I just feel that it's going to be a song that is going to really be up there for Duran Duran and for me. And um, certainly today it's in my top three. And I think it will in the future remain as a as a top 10 favourite. So anyway, thanks for listening and uh, great work with the podcast. And as always, Molly, I know we, we're always encouraging people either through Twitter at albums, Duran, or email us, durandurand at paulcuddehay.com. You know, with your thoughts, your comments, and your top three. I'd mentioned to you before we started recording that, I can't remember who it was, somebody had got in touch with us via Twitter. They'd obviously listened to a future past episode and said they couldn't believe how much we liked it. They thought it was okay. There was some good tracks, but a lot of it wasn't that great. And they said only Duran Duran fans who just loved absolutely everything would like this album. And then signed signed off brackets from a Duran Duran fan, which I thought was quite strange. They obviously haven't listened to all our podcasts because we're, we're not total cheerleaders because there's, there's good points and there's bad points. The same as every fan has their favourites. So I thought it's everybody's opinion. That's fine. But I thought there's no point. It's not a debate. I'm not going to change somebody's opinion any more than they are mine. And they, and they emailed us as well. I don't know if they were looking for a, a debate or discussion, but in an opinion like that, then everybody's entitled because you mentioned right at the very start, we all hear things differently. So some people 
will hear future past and not like it that you know as much as others the same way some people listen to pop trash and like it more than others so so people are entitled to their their opinion but I don't know if Twitter's the right place to debate these things anyway. But I think it has been a fantastic forum for all of us Duran Duran fans to talk about these sorts of things. And, you know, it's become such an important part of our podcast, hasn't it? So thank you, everybody, for, number one, listening to these podcasts that we're doing. And number two, you know, voicing those opinions that, that, and, and, you know, giving us your thoughts about the albums as we're going through them, because it's great to see what other people think about it. And, you know, like I said, on the basis of some of the comments that have been posted on Twitter, I am going to go back and re-listen to some of the songs with perhaps a different perspective and in a fresh set of ears, so to speak. So please do get in touch with us. I think that's kind of been the theme of, of tonight's podcast is that that we're all entitled to the to our opinions and nobody's saying anything is right or anything is wrong. But it's just been great to to hear what everybody yes. has to say. Although we, it was pretty conclusive that we thought MD didn't like the Beatles was wrong. But I, I think that's that's fair enough. The... And instrumentals should not be on any album ever, anywhere, by anyone. <laughs> <laughs> and those are the final words. Excellent, excellent. Bone, we'll next be going on to the 11th studio album. You mentioned it briefly earlier on the podcast. Astronaut, where the original five members of the band get back together again. I thought there was an element of pop trash. It kind of felt that they were winding down. And I think the fact that they all get back together, it kind of infused them with a new enthusiasm. Obviously, Andy's return was short-lived, but I think the other four kind of all got, I got the feeling that they kind of all came back together and thought, actually, do you know what we do together is really good. Let's not mess it up or break up again. And I think we've had the benefits of that over the last 20 years. Yeah, I agree. And, and obviously we'll, we'll talk about it all more in depth, but I've said it before, you know, I kind of moved away from, from the Duran Duran machine fairly probably in the late 80s, early 90s. So this this whole train of um, albums has been an education for me. I didn't know these albums. But then when Astronaut came out, that was when I got back into, into Duran Duran. I got to see him a few times on that tour. And I am really looking forward to that podcast. Because it's no coincidence that you've obviously got re-engaged with the band when Roger returned to the fold. It might have been a coincidence or it, or it could have been the fact that, you know, that I got to meet him a couple of times on the tour and actually had a conversation with Roger. Might have had something to do with it, but maybe. down that life-size poster that you used to have up on the ceiling and you were able to stick it back up. I wish I still had that poster. <laughs> <laughs> well, as always, we, uh, we're just so glad that you are listening to the podcast. It's been an absolute blast, as always, for us. I don't know about you, Molly. I'm away to listen to some Taylor Swift before uh, before the next podcast. But as always, it has been a joy. More and I'm going to be Adele. <laughs> Excellent. Yes. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, keep on sending our, your comments and your top threes through to us. And uh, can't wait to talk about Astronaut next. Thanks for joining us on the Duran Duran Albums podcast. And we hope you enjoyed the show. If you can subscribe to the podcast and rate and review us, That will help other Duranis to find us. And of course, if you can spread the word about the podcast, all the better. You can also let us know what you think of the podcast. Follow us on Twitter at AlbumsDuran or email us at DuranDuran at PaulCudahy.com. Join us next time on the podcast. And in the meantime, keep listening to Duran Duran like some new romantic looking for the TV sound.